L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle podcast. I am John Schmelk. Giants getting ready to take on the Chicago Bears. And the man on the call for Fox at 1 o'clock on Sunday is Daryl Moose Johnston. Giant fans, unfortunately, remember him as a former <laughs> Dallas Cowboy, but now he's with Fox and Moose. I'm going to feel old here asking you this question. How many years have you been doing games for Fox now? Oh, my gosh. 22. Wow. Yeah. It's a long old. time. We're both, yeah, we're both old. <laughs> Absolutely. So you did the Giant Panther game in week two. I know you watched mm-hmm. the Monday night game. Give me your 20,000-foot view here of the Giants as they head into week four, two and one, tied with the Cowboys for second place in the NFC East. I think very similar to where Chicago is, probably a little bit ahead of Chicago, uh, just the way that Daniel Jones is playing compared to Justin Fields and a new offense. But I think both teams with new head coaches, and, and they're going to preach certain things. Uh, and I think that they've both done a good job of, of kind of taking the foundational pieces of the new structure and kind of embracing that. Uh, but New York has had some some challenges along the way, uh, you know, with the injury situation at wide receiver, you know, what they had happen to him at tight end during the course of training camp. Um, so it, it, it has been a little bit more challenging, uh, Leonard Williams being out, obviously that that's a big deal. Um, Aziz Ojolari, Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, not there for the start of the season as your edge rushers to fit into Wink Martindale's system. So there's been some challenges and yet here they sit at two and one and had not been for, you know, that 17 0 spurt by the Cowboys on Monday night. Um, you know, they're right in that game as well. So I think that that's, that's something that's very promising, for what the Giants are doing right now, they're giving themselves an opportunity to win every week during this first year under Brian Dable. Yeah, no question about it, Moose. So when you take a look at where they are right now and coming off Monday night, obviously they gave up all those rushing yards to the Cowboys. And then offensively, they had trouble protecting Daniel Jones up front. When you look at their offense and where the Giants are, how do you see them functioning best? Is this Does this have to be at this point an offense that revolves around Saquon Barkley? I think so. And I think that that's one of the things that uh, that Brian Dable does. We had uh, an opportunity to kind of touch on that a little bit in that Panthers game. And it's not just Josh Allen when he was the coordinator in Buffalo and kind of focusing on that quarterback position. It's really who he thinks the offense really needs to revolve around. And I think right now that would definitely be Saquon Barkley. So, you know, even though he hasn't matched that production from week one against Tennessee over the next two weeks, you can see the potential. I mean, the, the run that got him the lead on Monday night. Uh, was one of the more dynamic I've seen. I think he had the the, the fastest top speed of a, of a running back so far this year. So it's great to see him back. It's great to see him healthy. I think Evan Neal is going to be fine at the right tackle spot. Uh, I think there was some really good stuff that was put out this week, you know, kind of comparing Andrew Thomas's journey to get to the where he is right now and where Evan Neal could be in a year or two down the road. And now you've got two bookend tackles for that offensive line. So this this will be a, a progression through. But during that course, it really appears to be that Saquon is going to be the go to guy. What can Daniel Jones do to supplement that? Can anybody step up at wide receiver uh, at this time and, and and add a little bit of help there as well? Because I think he's very creative. If, if Kadarius Tony can ever get healthy and stay healthy, this could be an offense where 
they're able to use that skill set that he has with the football in his hand that, that's pretty unique. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The John Soto Podcast is presented by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Moose, let's talk about the offensive line then. You mentioned Evan Neal. Obviously, Demarcus Lawrence had his way with him on Monday night, but you talked about the progress Andrew Thomas made. It was a slow churn for him. I think people underestimate how tough it is for offensive linemen coming from college to the pros. Can you just talk about that transition and why it is tough for that position to tackle specifically to be good right away in the NFL and the type of things they have to learn as they get more experience? I think the athlete that you run into as the rush end at the NFL level, uh, and, and not just from an athletic ability, but from a guy who knows his craft really, really well. Um, you know, Micah Parsons is kind of that unique guy that's just kind of burst onto the scene and he's using his athleticism. And he's getting some sacks. But when he starts to understand the details of the position and how to set people up, how to transition from speed to power or power to speed, uh, you become even more dangerous. And I think that that's something that, that Andrew Thomas saw in his rookie year. I think it's something that Evan Neal is seeing right now. They are so calculated with their steps and getting that tackle to turn and come underneath, knowing when they can continue around the edge, uh, the edge and bend to get to them. The detail that goes into a pass rush is amazing when you really kind of dig into it. And I think as a rookie coming in, even a guy like Evan Neal, seventh overall, I, I just I just don't think that that's going to be one of those situations where you're really prepared for exactly what you're going to have to face. And then Moose, it wasn't just off the edge, right? I thought the Giants had a lot of issues with all the stunts and twists Dallas used inside. And that's not just the line. That's the running backs to everybody kind of in sync. You know, when in your playing career, you were a big part of pass protection, helping pick those things up. You know how it works in the NFL. The Giants have all new pieces in there, right? They have guys that haven't really played a lot together. How long will it take for them to gain that continuity to, to become better at figuring out those games that defensive line coach is going to throw at them week in, week out? Yeah, that's a great point. That That's just time and repetition. Um, you know, the unique thing is, is, you know, kind of getting back to, you know, young guys coming in or a group of five really trying to get to know each other is, you know, that ability to understand what that guy is going to do because you've played with him for so many snaps and you just anticipate what's going to happen. Uh, the communication with the looks up front to get the clarity on exactly what's going to happen. Uh, you know, it happened with us a lot of times early on where guys would walk up into the A-gaps and, and there would be a little bit of confusion. And then all of a sudden we got into a system where we knew exactly by depth, hey, that's that's the guards, he's he's or that's mine. He's off far enough. But when he's walked up like that, you've got to come down and get him. I can't get there in time with our quarterback under center. So you start to learn all the little rules. And that's just a process that everybody's going to have to go through. So as you pointed out, it's not just those starting five. It's, it's the running backs. It's the tight ends. It's everybody that's involved in protection. And that was one of the things that Dallas did a nice job of on Monday night was really kind of giving the Giants looks that were a little bit confusing. And it's something that Dan Quinn has done a great job of since he's been in Dallas. All right. So let's talk about Daniel Jones. Then we'll get to the wide receiver position because that's a part of this too. What's your evaluation of Jones and how he's played the first three weeks? Because I mean, I'll say it. I think there's been some adverse conditions going on around him. And a lot of times, as you know, the quarterback is a product of what's happening around him. But at the same time, the Giants had to make a decision on him at the end of the year. It's his end of his rookie contract, right? So how do you 
decide, you know, where he is and how good he is when the protection hasn't been great. And as you mentioned a couple times already, the receivers have been inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that John Mara had a great, a great point back in February. You know, we have not done a good job of giving him the people around him to give him the opportunity to be successful. There's been a ton of change around him. That's been the one constant is the amount of change that's happened around Daniel Jones through his career. He's gotten to this position, um, you know, and now he's got to make the best of it. My biggest thing is, can you get through a season healthy? You know, that 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 to me is the most important thing is, is availability. If, if you if I can't count on you to be there all the time, then it's really hard for me to commit to you in the future. Um, so I think that that would be probably the most important thing in my mind for Daniel Jones to show uh, the, the new staff is I can go the 18 game schedule in the NFL and I can be there every Sunday for you. Uh, I think it starts there. I think he will progress. I, I just think that. I think his skill set fits very well into the offense that uh, that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are putting in. Um, you know, he's got the mobility. Uh, he's got the arm. I'd like to see more consistency with the throws. You know, there's a couple of times every game where he makes a throw and you're like, wow. But it's not consistent. Um, you know, just kind of getting through the progressions, playing it in a smart way. Uh, I, I thought what you saw Monday night was, you know, pretty darn impressive. I yeah, mean, me too. to your point, I mean, there's there's not a lot going on. He's getting beat up. He's getting a hit on every drop back. Um, and it was it was the, the guttiest, grittiest performance I've seen from him, you know, through his career. And, uh, you know, he did everything he possibly could to lift that team. That's what you want to see. He can't be a guy that can go out there and kind of direct everything and, 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 and allow the offense to function. At certain points during the season, three, four times a year, the quarterback has to step up up and win a game that maybe you're not playing well on the offensive line. Maybe you're struggling on the outside with matchups. And yet he's such a good leader. He's such a good player that he wins that game for you. And, and I don't know if we've seen that with Daniel Jones yet. So number one, availability, um, you know, getting through the entire season. Number two, more consistency in some of these throws that you make that are very, very impressive. Uh, it was a gritty performance Monday night and, and, now, and now follow that up, uh, you know, which is with that leadership and the opportunity to win a game when maybe your offense is not playing uh, at the level they, that, that you would expect them to. Now, Moose, what do the Giants do at wide receiver? They lost Sterling Shepard. He was their leader in receiving yards and targets uh, heading into that game last week and still today, even after the injury. So how do they recover now? They're trying to get Kenny Galladay going. You mentioned Kadarius Tony with the injuries. So what's the answer there? Is there an answer? And how do you then adjust your offense to try to mitigate the effect that position will have on what you do? I think that one of the things that that Coach Dable has done is he's kind of set out what his plan is going to be at wide receiver this year. It, it's going to be a week-to-week opportunity for everybody at that position group. Um, I think by the matchup that you have that week, um, how he sees the game plan kind of coming together, who gives us the best opportunity in these situations, in these matchups, which one of those guys is that guy. Nobody's really stepped up and kind of taken that number one wide receiver spot. So I think it's going to be something you're going to continue to see. And now you just add all the injury situations to that. Um, can they go out and, and add somebody? Can somebody from the practice squad be elevated and, and really kind of be somebody that can add a little bit there? I, I don't know how he's going to navigate it. I really don't. I, I think Richie James is a guy who's steady. You've got some guys that are steady, but they're not going to threaten anybody. So that's that's going to be the big thing. It's going to have to be, again, it's going to have to be driven by Saquon Barkley, the defense is going to have to worry about that running game. The offensive line is going to have to continue to progress every week. Um, that has to be the number one threat. That has to be the thing that they want to shut down. Maybe that gives some opportunity down the field uh, to the wide receiver position. And then the tight ends, you know, they can help as well. You know, you can you can scheme some things there to try and take a little bit of pressure, create some opportunity there. What but, do you think? Uh, of- you know, can Wondell Robinson get help and get in there? 
Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Moose. Um, what do you think about the general system that that Dable and Kafka are throwing out there? Do, do you like what they're trying to do and, and how their general philosophy of how they want to move the ball and, and create points? I do. I do. I think it's, uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling from two pretty successful backgrounds. You know, what, what Brian Dable had put in, um, you know, in Buffalo with Josh Allen, you know, Mike Kafka having the opportunity to be in Kansas City and see what they're doing there. So you're not going to try and replicate what Josh Allen is doing. You're not going to try and replicate what Patrick Mahomes is doing. But you can pull certain things from those systems that, that accentuate what Daniel Jones brings to the table. Um, and, and just getting ready for that week two game, it was it was interesting to hear them talk about the fact that we're not going to be a Bills offense. We're not going to be a Chiefs offense. We're going to be the Giants offense. You may see some things that are similar there, but we're going to build it around what we do. And, and neither one of those teams has a Saquon Barkley that they're going to hang their hat on. So that's where I think you'll see the big difference. Um, but I think the biggest message that that they've sent is the week one game in Tennessee when they went for two points. You know, it. it you're building the system, but you're also building a culture, uh, a mentality. And I think the ability for them uh, in week one, uh, the coaching staff to go down, show the confidence in the guys to go for two in that situation, say we're going to win games, we're going to play to win games, sends a message throughout the locker room uh, that I think is is huge at that point. So we can talk about scheme and different things, but really mentality, attitude, what's your culture? I think that those are even more important. Giant fans, the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings video content and game highlights on demand to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. Moose, let's turn to the defensive side of the ball. As someone that played offense and you had to deal with, you know, Buddy Ryan and, and stuff like that, <laughs> that's kind of, the, you know, Wink Martindale is kind of the modern version of, of Buddy Ryan in a lot of ways, right, with the way he approaches things. What do you think of that general approach that, that Wink Martindale and the Giants defense has to, to their defensive scheme, and, and how does that inversely uh, affect offenses when they're trying to do their thing against those type of pressure packages? Well, I, I think the big thing we really don't know just yet because you haven't had all the pieces in, in place. I think the key pieces are the edge rushers that we talked about early on, you know, with, with Kayvon coming back and Aziz getting healthy. You know, how do they contribute? How does this defense change a little bit? And, and what I really like is week one when you watch them against Tennessee – We've got a matchup against Derrick Henry, so here's how we're going to play it. Then week two versus Christian McCaffrey, all right, now we're going to match up against a different type of guy at the running back position, so here's how we're going to match it. Um, I've been very impressed with the secondary. Uh, I thought that that was an area, you know, you kind of read everything through training camp. You know, you know what what is the skill set on the back end? Can we match a heavy pressure front by playing a lot of man-to-man? -man? I think that those guys have step up, stepped up and played well uh, through the first half of the season. Um, it's, it's surprising to me that they only have the one interception. Um, so far, uh, but I, I really like the way that, that Wink designs his game plans based on what the offense is going to do. It's something different every week. It's a little bit of that game plan where it's week to week that we see from New England. Um, so I'm really excited to see what this defense does over the next few weeks now that you're getting the guys back, back that are key up front of the edge. Then when Leonard Williams gets back, I mean, if you still haven't had, and who knows how long it's going to be before you have both your edge rushers, your key guy inside that's pushing the pocket. So you know, Wink has not had all those pieces. And so far, he's done a pretty good job of just going week to week and taking away the strength of the opposing offense. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about Leonard Williams, Moose, because obviously the Cowboys ran the ball at will last week, 178 rushing yards for the two running backs. How much of that was Leonard Williams's absence where it was just a lot of room in there where if he's on the field, maybe that's not the case. 
Well, I, and he's an inside player the majority of the time. He played a little bit on the outside against Carolina because of the injuries. I, I think that Wink got him out on the edge a little bit more. It's one of the things that we talked about. You know, you, you maybe you want to get him back inside a little bit and push that pocket, uh, you know, especially against uh, a guy like Baker Mayfield. Um, so it, it's – I don't know how big of a deal it was because it, it, it looked to me like Dallas did a lot of their damage on the edges. They did. Um, You're right. Yeah. So it, it, to me that was – that was where you know the run game really got going. Uh, that is something that that is a little bit surprising because I know how much you know Wink focuses on setting those edges, uh, making sure that the gaps are all sound. So it, the success that Dallas had there is something that you know that Chicago is going to test. You know immediately, Luke Getzey is going to come out, the offensive coordinator for the Bears, and and they're a pretty good edge rushing team as well. Um, so he's going to come in and he's going to check that, make sure everything's been corrected during the course of the week. But you're coming against a, a, a team that really has, I don't want to say abandoned the pass game, but is really, I mean, that is, I mean, uh, under 50 passes in three games is, is mind blowing to me in the NFL. Uh, they have heavily committed to the run. So that, that is going to be the key for the giants and not having Leonard Williams there is going to be challenging, um, because, to, you know, Chicago will go on your edge, but they'll also come in between the tackles as well. Yeah, and, and we'll dig into that matchup in just one second. One more question on the defense. You've mentioned it a couple times. Ojolari, Thibodeau, it'll be their second game back this week. What did you see from them I mean, last week? Obviously, it's their first game back. Now the guy had played football in a month, so you have to understand it's going to take a while. Yeah. But do you think when all of a sudden those guys will have what it takes to be those two edge rushers you need in the defense to get consistent pressure on the quarterback? Because they really struggled in that area against Dallas. Yeah, we're we're gonna find out. Um, it, I, I agree with you. It, you know, you, you what 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 were the expectations? I think probably a little bit too high for Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, his first game back, his first opportunity. I, I think everybody's excited about you know what they remember from his collegiate career, career where he was drafted uh, this past season. So the expectations rise, and and it's hard. Um, you know, they, everybody out there is a professional. So uh, again, I think you make a great point getting some of the rust knocked off. Let's see where you are this week. D did you take a step from last week to this week? Um, you know, not really big in the statistical uh, board there uh, with your first game back uh, for either guy. Um, so where is that step this week? And, and number one, knowing um, you're going up against a team that's not going to throw the ball a whole lot. So, you know, let's let's get that mindset that the most important thing for you probably this week is going to be setting that edge and controlling that run game of the Chicago Bears. Now, the game on Sunday is going to be familiar to Moose because it's a legacy game for the Giants. It's throwback. The Giants are wearing their old uniforms and jerseys from the 80s and 90s. The end zones will be red. There'll be other um, activations throughout the stadium honoring the teams from the 80s and 90s, some throwback stuff, giveaways, pennants, and more. Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. And Moose, you know, we were joking before we started, this is going to look like a Giants game and the Bears from the 80s and 90s and even a Cowboys Giants game from the early 90s when it was Rodney Hampton and Emmett Smith running it 30 times a pop and grinding out the game is that your expectation on Sunday afternoon definitely on the Chicago side they, they really seem to be committed that way uh, just the way that everything has kind of you know panned out here in the first three weeks um, you know trying to get comfortable in that new system Justin Fields um, you, you wonder how much he's trusting it to turn it loose uh, very similar. You know, they're having some issues with their wide receiver group as well. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's hard for them to find their consistency there. You know, they tried to 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 bring some guys in. They've had a, an injury issue there as well. So the consistency for Justin to really have that timing and that trust with his receivers down the field just hasn't had a, a chance to develop. Cole Komet becomes his number one guy probably in the past game along with Darnell Mooney. 
but they're going to lean heavy, heavy, heavy on that run game. Um, you know, 281 yards last week, uh, first time since 84. They had numbers like that. So, yeah, there you go, right? 80s and 90s with the Giants colors. 84 was the last time Chicago put up numbers like that in the run game. So it, it's going to be the point of emphasis for Wink Martindale and his defense is, is how do we shut that run game down? L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. What's going on with Justin Fields? You know, I know it's a new system. He's a young guy, so it's going to take some time, but... You know, there's been some throws. You're not sure where it's going. He's turned it over a little bit. How long of a process is this going to be for him? And and what do the Giants have to look out for in terms of how Fields approach the game to slow him down on Sunday? Yeah, probably the two worst things you can have for a young quarterback in the midst of change into another system is an offensive line that's been a little bit spotty in their protection and wide receivers that are struggling to separate a little bit. So um, there's just not a lot of confidence and trust there to turn that football loose. I think he's... He's feeling some pressure sometimes and, and immediately a lot of these guys want to, you know, escape that pocket and, you know, just kind of getting ready for this game. I went back to week two and you're watching both of these offenses work, right? It's it's Luke Getzey from Green Bay coming down to Chicago to put that in. And then you're watching Rogers execute it and, and you'll see that pocket start to break down on Aaron and Aaron steps up and moves to the side and resets and starts to go down the field. And, and that's something that it, it takes a while for young quarterbacks to develop, you know, that ability to understand at the NFL level, even though you're a dual threat quarterback, the way you're going to beat teams and win championships is throwing the football. You're not going to be able to do that with your feet all the time. When you can, great. It, it, it serves. And it was great for Daniel Jones against Dallas Monday night, you know, extending plays, getting first downs, doing some great stuff. But you're going to have to learn how to beat those guys from a pocket. Even if it's a not a clean pocket, you're going to have to learn how to step up, slide, find those throwing lanes. He's just not there yet. It's a very footwork tied in offense. And, and I remember we brought it up when we talked to him in week two. This reminds me of Eli Manning with Ben McAdoo when he was the coach for the Giants and trying to get that that footwork timing based offense in place. And it's a struggle. It's I think it's a big leap for a lot of guys that are coming from a, a different style of offense. So I just think there's a there's a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, there's a little bit of a performance uh, curve with his supporting cast. Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, things will start to steady down a little bit for him and, and, and he'll be able to stand in that pocket and, and feel a little bit more comfortable. What do you make of the Bears' defense? Young group, but they do have three or four veterans, Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson, that we all know know how to play on all three levels. So what do you make of that Bears' defense? How do you think the Giants should go about it, but go about attacking it? Yeah, great to see Eddie Jackson back taking the football away. He's been through a really tough stretch uh, in his personal life, uh, had some really some really tragic situations happen. So it's great to see him kind of getting back into football and, and having that outlet for him. I think Roquan Smith is a, is a great, uh, a great fit for this. You look at Shaquille Leonard and what he did with the Colts. That's the system that, that Alan Williams and, and Matt Eberflus are putting in, in Chicago. Um, th there's a lot of good pieces in place there. Uh, they went young in the secondary to kind of shore that up, um, you know, with Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. So you got a couple of young guys back there that they're going to build around. So th this is going to be very, very similar to that old Tampa Bay style defense. Uh, they have standards that they have in place. They stress, you know, hustle to the point of the ball, punch the ball out, take the ball away. Ball security is going to be key for, for every giant player that touches the football, not just quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, anybody who's got the football in their hand. These guys come after it. 
um, as well as anybody in the league right now. And this is early in that transition, but they've had some success and they've already bought into it. So I think one of the big things is going to be ball security, not just in the in the pocket with the quarterback throwing, uh, but but everybody that has a football in their hand is running. You'll watch these guys come in from the side, come in from behind. You know, you get five, six guys around that football at every tackle. Does Barkley look as good as any running back in the league right now for the Giants? Uh, I, I think right now for me, Nick Chubb is is the one guy that, that really well. has kind of set himself apart. I mean, he's just he's amazing. Uh, you know, the combination of of, of the speed he has. Uh, he's got great feet. He's got power. Um, you know, Saquon is number two in the NFL uh, when you talk about rushing yards right behind Nick Chubb. So I think he's he's brought himself back into that that conversation. Uh, and that's one of the things I want to talk to him about on Friday. He made a comment during the course of training camp where. You know, they talked about Derrick Henry. They talked about Christian McCaffrey. They talked about Aaron Jones, all these guys he was going to play against during the course of the season. And his response was, I don't want to compare myself to them because there's nothing I can do to prevent what kind of day they're going to have. And, I, you know, I reached out to Emmett. We just kind of had a conversation and it was like, you know, we, we got to change this guy's approach. I mean, every time you stepped on the field, you wanted to be the leading rusher after that game, regardless of who it was. Uh, and if you want to have that NFL rushing champion title, you know, it, it, at the end of the season, then the best way to do that is win every battle during the course of the year, week to week. And so I'd, I'd love to get him to just kind of change his thought process a little bit because it's not just him. It's the offensive line. It's the tight ends. It's it's everybody involved in that run game that, that starts to buy in and get on board. Uh, and that's how we were able to get him in his rushing championships. A lot of those were won on the final Sunday of that season. A lot of people forget. And there's a couple of them that were won by less than 100 yards, some less than 50 yards. Uh, and it was a it was a group effort on the final weekend of the season because he had that mentality all year long that I want to be the number one rusher every time I step on that field week to week. Yeah, there was a pretty good running back named Barry Sanders in that era, too. So that was a pretty tight competition. Final question, Moose, you can be honest. Did you put a s special request in to, to do this game because the Bears have a real life lead blocking fullback in Gahari Blazing game, which is kind of like an instinct you know, creature in the NFL these days. Are you pumped to see some lead blocking from a fullback? I am. I am. I had one uh, last week. We had Patrick Ricard. Uh, He's great. From Baltimore. And, and he had a great block on Matthew Judon. One of the hardest blocks there is, is that long trap. And then you have to turn upfield. And, you know, sometimes it's usually the you know, the lead back can get blown up because the, the, the defender's coming downhill on him. Uh, and Patrick did a great job against Matthew Judon. So, yeah, I, it, it's good to see the position coming back a little bit. There's a couple guys out there, you know, bringing a little bit of notoriety back to the fullback spot. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be fun. We'll, we'll hopefully, hopefully, Kari will have a couple of plays out there we can we can draw up for him. Moose, good stuff. You can see this man, Darren Moose Johnson, on the call for Fox. Again, Giants and uh, Bears, 1 o'clock on Sunday on Fox. Moose, thanks so much for the time. We'll see you at the game on Sunday. Awesome. You got it, John. Thanks. Good luck. That's Darrell Moose Johnston from Fox. We thank you for joining us on the Giant Soto Podcast, brought to you by PSENG. Energy efficiency for game time and anytime. PSENG. All right, folks, if you haven't done so already, go back, take a watch, and listen to our draft season podcast, second episode of the regular season, as we take a look at what happened in college football so far this year as we try to stay a step ahead of the prospects heading into the NFL draft in April 2023. For Darren Moose Johnson, I'm John Schmelke. Thank you for joining us on the Giants Hill Podcast, and we'll see you next time, everybody. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.